you're listening to a Big MX radio podcast. Brought to you by Arma Energy. Presented by Fly Racing, W Wheels, Bill's Pipes, Just One Helmets, X Brand Goggles, Shades of Grey Custom Helmet Painting, Rhino Power Sports Supplements, Roy Borton Suspension, Watts Perfections, and Golden Tire. Simply the best motocross and supercross news from around the globe. And now, here's your host, Brad Gephardt. Welcome to the Arma Energy Drink Big MX Radio Show, sponsored by Fly Racing, W Wheels, Bill's Pipes, and Just One Helmets. I am your host, as usual, Brad Gebhardt, but with me on the line, we've got the 1988 East Coast Supercross champion. He goes by the name of Todd DeHoop. How's it going, Todd? Really good. I'm uh, happy to be here. I'm uh, having a good time trying to uh, age gracefully. Age gracefully and, and hard at work. Uh, what are you up to these days as far as work goes, and uh, how often do you sling a leg over the bike? Well, uh, what I do for employment is uh, I'm an on-the-road uh, salesman for a heavy-duty truck parts company called Western Michigan Fleet Parts, uh, located in Thielen, Michigan. And uh, basically, we got about uh, 17 to 18 full-time salesmen that service uh, the state of Michigan and Indiana and Ohio. And... Uh, travel a lot. I travel on the road three days a week and I'm into the building three days a week uh, just selling heavy duty uh, truck and trailer parts and uh, if anyone is familiar with truck and trailer they they break a lot so it's a really really busy constant uh, constant job. I mean it's uh, one of those things that uh, you know you definitely got to stay on your feet and uh, keep the customer happy because there's a lot of competition out there but I enjoy it. It's, uh, it's one of those things that's a necessity and not a want. So it's a, it's a very busy occupation, and uh, that's what you need in today's uh, economy. Absolutely. Uh, given the fact that you're from uh, the friendly state of Michigan, uh, is it any surprise to you that you ended up in the automotive industry? Well, my dad was, you know, he grew up, he rode motorcycles. He was a pro, and he was actually, he worked for Husqvarna. He worked for Pook, and he was actually... Uh, he was a uh, district sales rep for Husqvarna, and then also he was he working with a team manager kind of deal, and he was uh, friends with all the guys from the Husqvarna team. It was it was a norm for me to have like Kent Howerton and Chuck Sun, you know, Danny Lafore, all the guys from them them ages staying at our house uh, during the time of the race season because it you know Brad Bud was on the stop and the the Trans AMA series and just all that stuff going on back then, and so it's very familiar to me having big guys stay at our house and you know, I got used to that kind of thing and, and grew up with motorcycles and I started riding when I was three so um, it's just uh, you know, basically just snowballed from there and you know, I just, I've always been part of uh, racing part of that so well excellent um, do you do any riding schools up in Michigan during the summertime or uh, does all of your riding dedicated to uh, you getting back uh, those skills that you uh, cultivated during your pro career yeah, I, I used to do a lot of schools, and that was when my job wasn't so demanding. It was more of like I was an in-house guy. I did counter sales and, you know, stuff like I, I basically started from the ground up at this company, so I was doing checking in the freight and GPS outgoing and, and stocking shelves, and I've been there almost, you know, I've been there 20 years. And so for me, through that period of time, there was always the, you know, added, added income of, of doing schools, and I did those for quite a while, and then 
the problem is once you start getting into a 65-hour work week and traveling sales and everything else, it's, you don't find enough time to be able to spend time with students. You know, I, I mean, you only have a limited amount of time in the summer uh, yeah. to, to teach. And for me, it was it got to be really difficult to spend time with students. So, And I have two daughters that are 13 and, and 16. And, uh, you know, taking away from fam- family time is, is tough. And so... Basically now it's just me uh, getting in shape, and uh, you know I'm there. I'm, I'm I've been training a lot, and in uh, a lot better shape than I was, you know, half a year ago. Uh, basically before the winter came, and, and I was riding a lot in the fall, and I've been riding a lot more than I ever have. So I mean I'm really really anxious and uh, antsy to get uh, back on the bike and get ready and uh, get going because national qualifier, first area qualifier is coming uh, coming in a month. So. Yeah, I just had a, a gentleman on my on my show last night, uh, Armando Fair. He's hitting the uh, uh, an area qualifier this weekend, in fact. So uh, yeah, yep. the clock's ticking down to that. Um, predominantly, like the riding that you're doing now, uh, obviously you you live in Michigan, so you guys get winter. Uh, would you say that you're actually able to get to the gym more often during the winter, given the fact that uh, you don't have the ability to ride? I know myself. Um, I think I hit I hit the gym probably. Uh, like twice as much during the winter time as I do in the summer, just for the fact that it's uh, we get winter. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, that's the, basically the only way to kind of keep yourself in shape. And you know, for me, the, you know, you, you, there's some ice racing you could do and stuff like that. And I used to do that a lot when I was young. But you know, once again, it's it's always an added uh, expense. You know, you know, transferring your bike all the way over to an ice bike and just everything else, and oh, yeah. trying to keep the expense, you know, and this for is, tires. right. Yeah, for me, I mean, this is this is for pleasure, for for a hobby, and for for something that I've wanted to do. But you know, in the in the past, my daughters were young, and they're and even now, they're they're into a lot of things that are, are very costly, and so for me, an added expense of trying to do something else on top of that has always been there. So now I'm at the point now where I'm saying, all right, I'm going to do it. The 30th, 30th anniversary of me winning back in, back in the day at Loretta's. So I'm just like, all right, I'm going to go. I'm going to put forth a hundred percent, try and get on board with it. You know, everybody I can get on board with for, for doing it with me. And I've got some really, you know, crucial people, people that are behind me. And it's, and you know, a lot of my old uh, sponsors, uh, I've picked back up and we're, I work, I'm working with them and, so I'm enjoying it. I'm very excited to, to get on the bike again and, and get riding as soon as I can get on it. And, and I got, I'm riding Kawasaki's and I got, you know, some good 450s for, for uh, the summer. And I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. And I, and I have been going to the gym. I didn't like, you know, your question is, you know, three, four times a week. Um, and then uh, basically get a race shape by getting on the bike and doing as much riding as I can. So uh, toughen up those hands again after a long winter's nap. Uh, from riding you gotta know that those kawasaki's are champing at the bit to uh, get pulled out of the garage um surprised to hear that you're on on the on the green machines given the fact that you spent the i'd say a good portion if not more than two-thirds of your uh pro career uh on yellow uh like why why go to kawasaki and um like did you ha- like did you get any uh did you did you shop around or is it just pick those because you like the color green well for me it basically it came down to I mean this whole thing started off uh, a buddy of mine that I we were best friends and have been best friends basically all of our life but when I was growing up um, 
you know, as, as a support rider and a kid that you're, you know, you're riding during the summer and you're young and you basically ride every day. And I was, you know, I got sponsored, you know, quite early in my career and I, you know, I'd have a, I'd have, I would have a great option of, you know, from Yamaha and stuff like that, of getting, you know, four or five, six motorcycles free a year. And so I had a buddy of mine, you know, when you're going riding, it's no fun to ride by yourself. You're training every day. So basically for me, I'd just be like, all right, I got five bikes. Here's one for you to ride. Go ahead and you would go riding with me every day. And so I basically provided with him a bike all the time as we were growing up. And so as we've gotten older, and I kind of, you know, I never really needed a bike. If I wanted a bike, I could always borrow somebody's stuff like that. So I never actually, in the last probably 10 years, I haven't actually had my own bike. Mm-hmm. And it just, uh, so I just kind of always borrowed somebody's to ride. But it got to the point where, you know, when I kind of started making this decision, you know, he was like, well, you know, when we're, he's in the position financially that he basically said, you know, you, you want to do this and I'm in the position where I can get you a bike and, and, uh, and, you know, it's time for me to pay you back for all the things you've done for me. And so he got me a bike and, and we started progressing from there. And now it's two four fifties and it's just kind of snowballed and he's kind of all behind me. And, and so it's, it's one of those things where, you know, he's kind of paying me back for what I did for him. And, and now I got two, I got a race four fifty and a practice four fifty and, and yeah, I'm, you know, I'm excited. And the, the Kawasaki thing was basically, um, pretty much the best support wise locally. Um, that's Babbitt's, uh, in Michigan is a very strong dealer and, uh, they have a really strong arena cross team and Addie Babbitt is a great guy and, you know, he's, he's helping me out. And so that's, uh, he's, uh, you know, he's doing as much as he can. Uh, I kind of came late to the table, so there was a lot of things that couldn't be done. I, if I would have been a little bit more on the ball, and I could, probably could have gotten a little bit more Team Green support. But, you know, when you come late to the table and you're not planning too too far ahead, it's kind of hard to get people on board. So, because, you know, there's a lot of fast riders out there. I mean, it's hard to, you know, to take away from these guys that are coming up, all these young kids and all these pro riders. And, you know, I'm not I'm not here to try and take away support from them. I'm just to kind of have fun and go out and win another championship so well that's excellent uh like you always need good support when you're going to the races uh who are some of those other uh sponsors that uh you had from from yesteryear that uh you were able to call back up and uh they were more than happy to have you on well you know obviously um my my suspension is is Wiesner suspension um i have yoshimira um, I, I, I actually, I actually have never ridden for tag, but, uh, tag has, uh, kind of, I, I actually wrote for one Industries at one time and, uh, they own one, uh, tag. So I kind of, uh, I'm doing a thing with tag and, and then, uh, a Fox, uh, riding for Fox for gear and, uh, just, uh, the, the tough stuff. Well, actually, Dave Anilak uh, from Tuff is helping me out. He has sponsored me for the UFO Plastic because he's the UFO uh, importer. So Dave has always—he's always been in my corner. And there was a there was a brief moment that we were talking about riding Huskies for next year, but it just kind of you know for for me it, it just didn't add up. So I kind of wanted to because my dad was a Husky rep and was really excited to do it, but it just didn't add up at the time. So, but so yeah, I mean there's. There's, uh, I believe I'm going to be riding for Bell Helmets. Um, that's, that's what it's looking like. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm trying to think of everybody else that uh, I don't want to forget forget anybody. Oh, it's, um, it's, it's no different than it was back on the podium, man. Yeah, yeah. Evo, Evo MX. I tell you what. Here's a, here's a funny, quick little story. Evo MX from over in, in England. Um, they build a lot of the retro graphics for anybody that has any kind of old bikes. Evo MX is basically my main graphics and, and sponsor for doing all my stuff. I got to know Frank pretty good, and he's actually he recreated my Honda of Troy graphics for my my uh, factory uh, 250 that I'm re- restoring right now, and uh, so he did all of that, and uh, so I'm riding for Frank for graphics, and he's done a great job. He put together a whole really cool graphic setup and seat cover and everything for my for my uh, Kawasaki's, and uh, so I'm gonna be running his product, and he's a great guy. He's just gone you know out of his way to to do stuff for me. Um, so, and then Dunlop tires, you know, always done stuff with them works connection. Um, those guys have been always behind me. It's, uh, you know, a lot of great people, Scott USA, they, you know, always been behind me. So. All right, guys, guys. it's time for a commercial. If there's one item to be picky about, it's choosing the right helmet. I'm Andrew Short, and I choose the F2 Carbon from Fly Racing. You too can wear the exact same helmet I wear, Trey Kennard wears, Jimmy Albertson wears, and many others. The F2 Carbon is a helmet loaded with details that make a huge difference in comfort and safety. Lightweight materials, phenomenal airflow, and a super comfortable sweat-absorbing liner, and generous eye port design to accommodate any goggle choice are just a few. And did I mention how super trick these helmets look? Straight off the shelf and onto the racetrack. If you are looking for one amazing helmet, look no further than the F2 Carbon from Fly Racing. For more information about Fly Helmets and other products from Fly Racing, visit them on the web at flyracing.com. What's wrong, Jeff? I don't know, Jay. Well, you better fuel up with a nutritious breakfast with Oats and Bran. Oats and Bran? I didn't think there was such a thing. That's what I used to think. Now, I start out every morning with a bowl of Indigos. For extreme kids like us. That's what I call fueling for the big ride. Hey kids, start out every morning with a fat bowl. So, what do you think of Rich Taylor? Lighter than air and stronger than steel. So what that means is it can move much faster. 2014 X-Brand Goggles is back and better than ever. From the Scatter X, Volcano and Phantom Goggle, X-Brand has the product make you stand out on race day. The quality of X-Brand products is second to none. Great lenses, incredible frame, and a strap that doesn't wear out. Great tear-offs, zip-off systems, nose guard, and more. Check out eksbrand.com for all of the accessories and pricing. What's up guys? It's time to talk a little bit about Roy Borden Race. He's the performance specialist. Suspension, making a motor work, balancing a bike, or just maintenance. He's got the tools and know-how to make sure that your bike is ready on race day or practice. 
Roy Borden has strength in years of experience and the best technology and best tools at his disposal. Whether you're getting your forks redone, seals, or a full, full-blown rebuild on your forks or, or shock, call up Roy Borden today at 204-633-2722. That's excellent uh, to hear that those companies not only still able to help you out, but uh, that you're able to cultivate those uh, those connections and re- and use those relationships uh, to go forward with what you're doing. Um, all too often nowadays, you see people restoring old two-strokes, uh, like bringing back those bikes from yesteryear. Uh, what are your thoughts on some of those bikes, as well as uh, the retro weekend that happened uh, just a couple weeks ago? Yeah, I think you know, I think it's a great uh, you know great idea and. I think there's a, a whole different uh, level of industry that's kind of untapped right now. I think there's, you know, there's a ton of guys that are kind of kind of coming into their prime that are just avid two-stroke guys that I really believe that you're going to see a a large um, <laughs> drawing into people buying up older two-strokes because number one, they're very reliable, oh, yes. they're easy to work on, they're Cheap very cost. Yep, super easy and cheap and cost-effective to maintain. Um, parts are still plentiful. Um, there's a lot of people that are starting to uh, re or, uh, um, remanufacture parts and, and do, you know, obviously things like Evo with the, the graphics and stuff, OEM stuff and everything else. And, you know, there's a lot of guys that are just, you know, big into that old era, you know, the 90s and, you know, McGrath and Emig and the Hunt of Troy and, you know, all that stuff is, it was a fun time. The bikes were good. It was you know, enjoyable racing and don't get me wrong. The racing nowadays is incredible. It's great, but it's extremely expensive. If you got, if you don't have a decent bank account, you're not in the sport. So, yeah, exactly. And I, I think that that, uh, kind of, I, what I think what really triggered is the fact that my dad is part of the baby boomers and, uh, I guess mm-hmm. uh, like, and like of the baby boomers kids, they all started racing and now they're all 25. They're into that age where their parents have to, all right, you're going to buy your own bikes now. And like, well, I don't have like, we, 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 uh, we move out later than we ever did. So like, right. I don't have, I know I don't have $10,000 laying around for a 450, but I do have $3,000 for a gently used, uh, 252 stroke or 250 or 125. That if you yep. take the tires, the wheels, bars, grips, graphics, put a new seat on it, and plastics, you got yourself a pretty, uh, pretty potent machine right there. Um, yeah. Oh yeah. And you got a bike that'll last you all year long. Exactly. I mean, if you you, know, you have a two fifty, all you got to do is basically change, just, you know, change the oil, throw an air filter in it, and tighten the chain. You can ride that thing all year long, and then go through it in the winter, and you're good for another season. Yeah, exactly. Except for you have to make sure that you change out the piston more often than I did, because at the end of this last year, I went to go do a start, and the ba- and the piston shattered inside the the or at the bottom of the the skirt came off, and yeah. I got a parts yeah. list about a laundry list long. But uh, there, there you go. <laughs> nevertheless, um, it's still gonna it's still gonna be half of what a four stroke would though. <laughs> oh, for sure. And uh, like, yeah. thankfully, my my dad's a good friend with a guy that works at the local college. He's gonna have the students rip it apart and put it back together for free. There you go. Yeah, a little, little, little tech. Absolutely, <laughs> little tech man. Instruction. Like, um, yeah. Before uh, we get too far in, I, I wanted to ask you about uh, entering the pro class in the 125 Supercross class in 1986 would have been the very first year of that 125 class. Uh, like, 
What was it like knowing that you could now ride a 125 in Supercross, uh, those early competitions, and what was the Supercross like? You've been to lo- you've been to Supercrosses lately. Uh, how has it changed uh, from from th- 32 years ago to now? You know, I think the the biggest change is the how professional. I think the professional just focus on all the the small things how things look to the spectator. Um, basically, the tracks are much more, you know, when I watch a Supercross, the tracks are much more forgiving. They're very rhythmic. I mean, it's not, I mean, if you, I don't care what year you pick. You go back, you pick 95, you pick 89. I don't care what it is. You look at a Supercross track back then, it's very, very random, very technical, very just out, you know, there's no rhythm to it. It's very hard to find a rhythm. And I think with the way the bikes are today, you have to have, you know, faster, smoother rhythm, you know, tracks because of the fact that they're, you know, the bikes are heavier, they're, they're faster and the speeds are, are, you know, more predominant. But I don't know. I, I think that back then you really, I think you're, your cardio and you, to be in shape back then was much more predominant because of the fact that it was so technical and it was so jarring all the time. It's like, you know, you couldn't get into a rhythm. You couldn't relax. It was just, you know, everything was just jarring all the time. You know, it was a, a jump into, you know, like they have those, you know, it's funny uh, jumps like they had at De- Daytona this weekend where, you know, you, these uh, basically wall jumps there where you jump, you hit the wall and you're in, you know, and there was tons of that back in the day. And, it, you know, it throws you out of your normal rhythm and it, it makes it, it makes your, your, your heart rate go up and your breathing. And it's just, you know, it's not part of the normal, the normal track. And that was, that was the norm back then. So, you know, and that, not only that is, I think the professionalism of how things are run and, um, basically how things look and are presented to the spectator. I think that's the biggest change, but as for the racing, um, I don't think it's, much different at all i think it's you know the the amount of turnout i think is probably a little bit less today because of the different rule changes and stuff like that that they've made uh eliminating you know making it so just not any guy can show up and and race pro if he's got his pro license he can come and he can come and try and qualify well you know that's that's taken out of a, a lot of the danger to the guys that aren't qualified that come you know used to show up and couldn't do the triples or this and that but now the tracks are you know, and the program is, you know, it's very professional and television does that. When you're trying to, you know, put that towards millions of people, you really have to make it look the way it's supposed to. So, yeah. Well, like if, if, uh, like now when I, I had a chance to walk the track in, uh, in Atlanta or, uh, Anaheim too there. And when you walk the track, it's almost as if you can see what the dirt works guys want you to do you, you walk up to a session oh you, they want you to go two three three or whatever it happens to be where for you guys when you walk the track you're like what were they hoping we would make out of this because right. it kind of looks yeah. like i should like kind of jump onto a table stop on a dime right off of that double the next thing like yeah it actually it was just you know it was basically they're making it to the point where your create creativity had to basically you know, you had to figure out what you wanted to do and take the chances to do it. Back then it was like, you know, basically testing you to see what you could possibly do, not, you know, giving you just one option. It was like, here's, here's what we're going to throw in front of you. Do what you can with it. And that was, that was kind of what they did. So, yeah, I mean, it was, 
it was interesting. And my, my first supercross, I mean, I don't even remember. I think we went back to the vault on racer X. I think you could, I, I'm pretty sure I finished top 10. Pontiac, I don't remember. Pontiac won 1986. You were fifth place. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I finished top five. So yeah, Ron, I was, Ronnie I was, Tishner, Keith, yep. Keith Turpin, Kerry, yep. Timmy, and uh, yep. Tony Watts ahead of you. You edged out uh, Rich Halstead and yep. Jason yep. Upshaw. Yep. Yeah. I mean, that was, you know, that was my first supercross. And I was, I was a local A rider back in 86. I mean, that was my first year of trying to go out. I mean, I won Loretta's the year, that prior year. Yep. And I just, you know, I was starting to hit pro events. And so I, I basically, I went to some nationals. I went to Southwick and a few other places, but yeah, that was my, that was my first year being out there trying to see what, what I could do. So I, I didn't do too bad. So Not at all, man. That, that was uh, quite the performance. And then uh, this past weekend we had Daytona. You are a Daytona winner. Um, uh, quickly before uh, you run away on me, um, what was it like uh, to uh, to race during the day with a, a track that's designed by a madman uh, by the name of uh, Gary Bailey and uh, those chuck holes racing during the day with a 30-man main event? Yeah, that the track, you know, it really has, and we, and we comment about this every year looking at the track. And, you know, this year, Ricky's track was probably this year was closer you know it has become closer to more of gary bailey's uh track than in the in the past more than it ever has because he had left some of the natural terrain and you know those high speed you know the the black sod dirt coming from below and it was kind of but i mean back then the way gary designed the track he would take he would take, take a big pile of clay and he would throw it on the ground and and basically structure it as a jump and you would have literally four feet before the face of the jump, the sod everywhere because of the bikes would break away. So it basically turned into a black sand and then there would be a square edge of sod and then the jump. So it would be like a pre jump into the jump. And then, yeah, so it was very, and then not only that, most of the time it was rutted because the clay was so soft and it was, it was really, I mean, it was technical and you really had to concentrate a lot. And the whoops back then weren't built out of clay. They were, he just basically dug into the sod and made huge, deep sand hoops. And it was, I mean, it was a pretty gnarly, uh, man-made super cross track that really tested you. <laughs> yeah. It was, a, and, uh, it was a mogul yeah. field out there. Better yet, better yet, it was a minefield out there. And uh, yeah. surprised to see that the Kajivas did so well with three in the top eight. Yeah, you know, <laughs> Ryan McElroy is actually a good friend of mine. And That's funny. I, we, are, we talk quite a bit. And uh, every time he calls me, I, he, I'll answer. I was like, how's the second place guy from Daytona doing? Ooh. It's always yeah. He doesn't like that because he's from Florida, and that's his okay, that's his no home kidding, yeah. that's his home terrain. Yeah, so yeah, I uh, I beat him on his home turf, and so we've always uh, yeah we always give him a, I always give him a hard time on that, and uh, he's like yeah he's like you know I was riding a Kajiva, and I tell you what though that Kajiva was a good bike and it was fast. Oh, so. clearly on the on the fastest yep. Supercross of the year, though uh, they had three guys in the top ten, uh, the worst being eighth. Yep. Um, yep. The, that like just to, to, to kind of round out that '88 year, and I'm, I hope you have one of those bikes laying around somewhere. But uh, 
do you think that if you would have won Pontiac one that you would have had a chance to win Pontiac two? Because I think in that Saturday night uh, after losing that race, uh, you didn't party as hard as you would have if you won. Well, and I don't know. You probably don't know the background, but um, I got I got pictures, and if you get a chance to go on my Facebook page, I have pictures that um, uh, the first night at Pontiac, I was the only guy doing the triple on a 125, okay. and I came. It was basically we would go up into the stands, and then we'd come out of the stands, and you would drop down, and then you would hit the face of the triple. Well, it was so rutted up because of the high speed and the impact in the face of the jump. And, you know, the, the dirt wasn't really that hard back then. It always rutted up everywhere anyways. But in practice, in the last practice, um, I hit the face of that triple, and my toes stuck into the face of the jump, and it ripped my feet off the foot pegs. And I actually did the first Superman air, and I've actually showed Travis Pastrana this because there's uh, pictures from two different angles, one from the front coming coming at, at you and then one from the side where two people actually sent me big blown up pictures. I'm in the air at the apex of the triple completely my legs way back and I came down and because I was fully extended out I came down and I landed on the rear fender of that Suzuki and I went right through it and landed spread eagle with my legs on the rear tire. It ripped the inner thighs of my pants underwear and everything right off and i i mean i had road rash up both sides of my legs and everything in between and basically i was surprised i still could have kids because it totally i mean it was like a mess hamburger mess and i and i ended up we put put some bandages on it and and some stab and i ended up i think i finished third that night <laughs> But, uh, and then I, and then I won the night after that. So it was, yeah, I, I toughed you it out. You second that night. Yeah. So I toughed it out. <laughs> Actually, no, so. wait, that's a seven. What year? Yeah, I think I did pretty good both, both, uh, both years, 87 and 88, but 88 was a rough, a rough weekend. Fourth, fourth in, uh, fourth in that, in that race. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm looking at this picture right now on your Facebook. For all those who are listening, please go check it out on Todd's Facebook. Uh, number 37 machine. It's a full-blown, uh, not a fully extended Superman, but that's a Superman nonetheless. And right. uh, wow, that's insane, man. Uh, yeah. Do you happen to have one of those uh, those bikes laying around? Like, Did you yeah, have anything I, to keep your Supercross bike? Yeah, I have my championship bike in my office. Yep, I have the full, it's fully it's ready to go on the track right now. I, I, in fact, I think there's, I, you know, I wrote it at red button at the, uh, the, um, basically the legends of, uh, MX. I did it there a couple I did a parade lap there on it a couple of times. And, uh, yeah, it's uh, sitting there ready to go in my office. It's, uh, looks like brand new basically. So. Well, right on. That's awesome. Um, you pro I probably have to let you go now, but, um, uh, after your area qualifiers, I would love to have you on again uh, so we can get some uh, Honda Troy style, uh, stories and stuff like that. Absolutely, yeah. Anytime. And uh, uh, I'd be uh, more than honored to talk some more about it. It's, uh, it's a great time in, in my past and uh, enjoyed every minute of it. Absolutely, my friend. I was glad, I was glad to go down memory lane with you. And uh, we wish you the best of luck in your area qualifiers. And uh, keep hitting the gym, man. You'll be in great shape uh, come the time uh, gate drops in Loretta's. All right, I appreciate it. Thank you very much, and uh, well, I'll be in touch. We'll see ya. Thank you for listening to the Big MX Podcast, brought to you by X-Brand Goggles. 
Be sure to check out our archive for episodes you may have missed. Check out our website at BigAmixRadio.com for more content.